Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined with a wonderful guest. It's once again my beautiful bride, Beth, is with us here. Hello, everyone. And uh, this was kind of a surprise. We were This was just put together here in the last couple of hours. What happened was tonight after dinner, this was really fun, we, uh, I turned to Beth and said, what do you think I should do for my podcast this week? And she had the brilliant idea. I said, let's just ask the listeners. Let's just send something out on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and just ask people for questions. And that's what we did. And in less than two hours, we got tons of questions. We're very grateful for those. We're not going to be able to get through all of them uh, here today, but we're going to try to work our way through. So are you ready, honey? Jump in. Go for it. Okay, so the first one, I think this one is probably more directed to you, uh, comes from Margo. Margo asks, what's the hardest part of being married to someone who travels a lot for speaking? Uh, so I, I think that's directed to you, but I, I have a feeling I know what, I think I know what you would say. You'd probably say the hardest part is when I come home because then you got one more kid to take care of. Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> silly. You are silly. Um, hardest part, um, for me, I, especially lately, I don't even know what's going on with your schedule. And so the hardest part for me is once I get it figured out is when something changes. That's the hardest part for me. In fact, last couple weeks ago, um, I texted Ted during the week and said, Hey, are you picking up uh, some kid? I forget who it was at soccer practice. Totally thinking he was around and going to do it. And he replied, no, I'm in Fort Collins tonight. I'm here right now in Fort Collins, which is about two hours north of us. <laughs> totally forgot. It wasn't on my planner, my calendar brain. So for me, the hardest thing is getting, getting it figured out. And then when things change, like I remember a couple of years ago, more than a couple of years ago, you were in Italy with a pilgrimage. Which is eight days, right? Eight-day pilgrimage. And they had issues getting home, and he came home two days late. I thought I was going to lose my mind. It's like, here's the finish line. Oh, wait. No, it's not there. It's not even there. And still not. That was rough. Oh, that that was really rough. I noticed that when I am away on pilgrimage, I I notice that, you know, you're usually, it's it's a lot, but Mm -hmm. you're mentally in the game. Right. And I can tell in the tone of your voice, you're hanging in there. And then when I come (laughs) home, it's like, all right, you're back. And then, and then it's all breakdown. So I I can imagine when I told you the plane broke down, we're going to have to come home a day or two later. Like, that's like, oh no. Thank (laughs) God that's only happened that one time. So. Yeah, and it's you know I'll, I'll be honest, it's it's always a, a balancing act, and I, I ask all the listeners you can pray for us because this is you know something we have to constantly discern is you know my my role at, at home is the most important thing. That's our vocation. That's what God cares about the most, uh, and so our our marriage and then our children. Um, we also believe that we do have some roles outside of the home. You know, you you do some ministry here. Uh, in the Denver area, and I'm certainly doing all these other things, and trying to balance between mission and home is something we have to carefully pray about, discern well with our spiritual directors, and it's never like we just come up with the plan and then it works forever. It's like we come up with something and works for a season, and then all of a sudden, it, oh, wow, this is not and working anymore. Changes. we got to make an adjustment, and uh, and it, it's always a constant source of conversation and, and discernment, so... Yeah, and I think part just the discernment piece is major because there's so many times you just don't know what's coming on the calendar. And like right now, Ted's schedule is booked out 
pretty far out there. I don't even know how far out there. But um, we recently, in the last month, found out when the date is for um, our daughter's First Communion and Confirmation. Yeah, because the the school doesn't tell us. Until, they don't know. They don't know. They're waiting to hear from the diocese. Know. That's and right. And <laughs> so, thanks be to God, it was a day that worked for Ted, and and it's going to be okay. So, but it's just a lot, a lot to manage. But that's why I think plugging in to the Lord and discerning in prayer, the whole schedule thing, and which events to say yes to and say no to, or say maybe next year to. Um, he's got it all worked out. So if we talk to him about it, it usually works. Amen. All right, we have another question here. This one comes from Mary Therese. Uh, she's a young woman getting ready to get married. She asks, what's your best advice for an engaged couple on preparing for a strong marriage? Great question. I love this question. I'd say the first thing is pray. More than anything else, more than your wedding planning, more than everything else, really be attentive to your prayer life. It's so easy to let that go by the wayside. And you will never have prayer life like you do as a single person, as a wife, as a mom, because it just ups the ante all the time. Also, um, another big piece is no matter what you do for marriage prep, you could read every book, you could watch every video, you're never going to be totally prepared. It just is just how it is. It's on the job training. As soon as you get that ring on your finger, then your training is really beginning. And every marriage is different, too. They all rhyme. They're all similar. But you're going to have your own unique ups and downs and twists and turns. Um, and another thing I thought of, too, with this question is to really find a good mentor couple when you're engaged and to be vulnerable with them, to really share with them your struggles and things that you're concerned about, you're worried about, so that when those tough times come, you already have an established relationship and they know you, and they can hold you up and support you and point you in the right direction or even share resources. Or if they don't know the answer, they'll tell you where to look. Yeah, we definitely had that when we were first dating and then married or in the early years of marriage during engagement. It was just great having uh, couples that were a couple steps ahead of us in life. Uh, and could give us advice and just even just watching how they lived their marriage and how they did their parenting. And, and even now they have kids who are ahead of ours and they're getting married and they're grandparents. And I'm, I, yeah. Hard to imagine. <laughs> that we're we're going to be there soon, I but know. yeah, but they're, they've launched kids in the college. We're getting ready to do yeah. that this next year. So we are very grateful uh, for some of them, lifelong friends who, yes. who've invested in us it's there. essential to reach out. So definitely find community. Yeah. Find your mentor couples. That's crucial. Uh, and mentor couples, again, a couple steps ahead of you. Now, here's one thing I want to share with the with Mary Therese and, and all the listeners that may be hoping to be married someday or engaged right now. I was just in Toronto at this amazing event. It was about 500 young adults at the Renew Conference. And it was, it was one of the most exciting, energetic young adult conferences I've been blessed to participate in. And uh, I gave a session for uh, engaged and married couples. And when I was speaking to the engaged particularly... Uh, I remember telling them this. I said, you know, what, what people often ask me, what's the best thing you can do to prepare for a great marriage? And I said, right now, go volunteer together. Go commit to do something together, whether that's at your parish, maybe if you're a college student at your campus ministry, maybe it's in the serving the poor in your local community. Finding a 
a family with young children. Yeah, that you can to serve watch and babysit. Their children for them once a week, yep. faithfully, but, even when the kids might be sick, helping them out. Yeah, being committed. But here's the key: is what you want to do is when you're when you're engaged, you're falling in love. You spend a lot of time one on one together, and you're you're just together enjoying each other's company, which is wonderful. But marriage and family life is not going to be like that. <laughs> marriage and family life is going to be you two standing shoulder to shoulder and serving others. And serving others, not when it's convenient, not when it's easy, not when it's interesting for you, not when it's fun, but doing it when you have to. And so I think one of the best things you can do as an engaged couple right now, or if you're just dating and you want to test the waters, commit for the next several months, whatever it is, next three, six months to go do something at your parish, help out with the youth ministry, help out with catechesis or go help the poor, but commit and do it every week. Don't when you're tempted and you're thinking, oh, it's too cold outside or, oh, I'm too busy. I've got a lot of other projects. I don't have to do this because I'm just volunteering. Resist that temptation. Have sustained commitment. When it, you, you're feeling a little tired, you're not feeling too great, but you 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 know you could probably get up and push yourself, but maybe I don't want to. So uh, when you're tempted like that, get out of bed, go do it. Yeah, take it seriously. Take it seriously because week after week, sustained commitment on something right now is one of the best training things you can do for your marriage because that's what's going to happen when you're blessed with children if you are blessed with children you're gonna have to serve them when you don't want to when it's not convenient when you'd rather be doing something else and you gotta start training your will to die to itself right now (laughs) and just to play the other side of that not because it it could be like oh marriage is hard it's so horrible (laughs) you know it's not once you get in the habit of serving like that you kind of open up a space inside of you to feel mm. joy in that. You know what I mean? And it becomes mm-hmm. second nature. It's habitual. You can do it with a smile. It doesn't seem to cost you as much to do it. There are times, obviously, it's still going to be a challenge. But I don't know. It just kind of it gets more in you, and it's easier. And, I mean, that's the ver- definition of virtue, right? Yeah, beautiful, beautiful image there, honey. I love that about opening that space Thanks. where you can find the joy. It's kind of like, I, I, it's, like it's like running, right? So you had the habit oh, of running. Yes. You got the habit of running, and you've got a lot of joy in it. I don't have that habit. <laughs> so so for me, it's just like, oh, this is going to be really hard. So if I really wanted to become a, a distance runner like you, I, I better get I better start training now. Uh, to get over my the the pain it will into and I'd have to endure so that I could find the space of joy, but that may be in retirement. So mm, okay, <laughs> all right, we're gonna go to a, another question came through on Instagram here. Uh, this one is about prayer. How do you practice listening to God? I do a lot of talking during prayer. I love that question, right? Because when you have a relationship with someone. Do you, you ever have a friend or a coworker, someone in your life that just ta- does all the talking and you, you you don't get a word in and you're wondering, are they really listening? And when you do say something, they just quickly just jump in and talk about what they want again. And you're wondering, are they really listening to me? I wonder if God feels that way with us sometimes. I just love this question because whoever put it in is praying, which is mm. just that that's hard because it's a battle just to make it happen. Because we're so tempted to just make it fit it in and then things happen and we're not praying and all of a sudden we're going to bed and oh, I didn't pray today. I meant to a hundred times and it never happened. So you're praying. Hooray. Rejoice. Um, But as for doing a lot of talking, I would switch it up a little bit and maybe go if you're not going to adoration for prayer time, try and add some of that in just because then your body, your senses, it's quiet, it's more secluded 
it's just switching it up more. Um, another thought I had too on just listening to God, especially if you're in the blessed before the blessed sacrament, is to get all your talking out, pull out your journal, and then just really you know invite the Holy Spirit into this and just start writing what you think God would want you to know. I've done that many times, and it's always amazing the things that come into my head and out my hand through my pen onto the page. Um, it's, it's actually pretty amazing. So that might be something to do, or even just opening your Bible to a random page, praying to the Holy Spirit and doing that and seeing what God wants to tell you through his word. Um, that works too. I want to go back to what you mentioned with adoration because I think that's a great thing. If you can get to an adoration chapel or even just into your local church in front of the Blessed Sacrament, in front of the tabernacle, just getting your body there and if you don't say any words yep. and you're just sitting in his presence, it, something something beautiful happens. And I, I think it's easier to find that quiet in you if you're just resting in his presence because sometimes I think, especially in our American culture, we just feel like have to be right. getting something done, yeah, doing up. something, check something off, right? But if you're just sitting in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament in front of Jesus there, in the real presence of the Eucharist, it, it changes you. You know, it's like you're you're just sitting in the sun. When you're just sitting in the sun, you start your your skin starts to change color. You start getting tan. And when you're sitting in the presence of the sun, the holy you know, the the holy Son of God, he he will change you. And 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 just being there is a good thing. I want to give you one other piece of advice. And this one comes from oh a lot of mystical writers. I'm drawing particularly from uh, a medieval uh, work called The Cloud of Unknowing. And he's looking at that book right now. Yeah, I see on it here shelf. on my bookshelf right here. <laughs> there, I got two copies right there next to John of the Cross and Simon Tugwell. I think there. one of those copies is mine. You stole it. Uh oh. Okay. Well, you <laughs> That's can pick, okay. You can pick I'm, it up I'm not after the podcast. Here. Back into the Cloud of Unknowing at this moment in time. But uh, the 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 author here. Uh, says one thing we can do is think of a word, like maybe a, a word from scripture. Maybe it's just uh, the name of Jesus. That's a wonderful thing in the early church that they practiced was this beautiful prayer, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. And they would just repeat that prayer over and over throughout the day. Kind of the rosary is kind of a another rhythmic prayer like that. But if you just take, maybe take the word just Jesus, you know, or Lord or God, you know, but just speak maybe just one word and just slowly repeat it. Maybe with the rhythm of your breathing, you know, like you breathe in and then you breathe out Jesus and then breathe in and then you breathe out Jesus. Just saying the holy name of Jesus is a beautiful gift you can give to God. You know, so even if you, your mind wanders, you do other things, but if you're just focused on that word. But here's the thing the Cloud of Anoni suggests and other, other writers have talked about this is that it, you, if you just channel, try to channel all of your desires Come, you know, deep within you, put all your desires, your your love, your love for God to channel it in this one word. Speak it with love. Jesus, Jesus. Uh, because within our soul, God has given us the one thing that we have that's in us, that's infinite, is a desire for him. <laughs> he gave us this infinite desire that can only be met in him. And so if we can come in those moments of solitude, we just try to block everything out. I'm not going to try to read and do stuff and say things. I'm resting in his presence. But then when I'm doing that, if I can go to the next step of just maybe saying a, a biblical word, maybe the name of Jesus, and then come in touch with your des deepest desires and speak the name of Jesus with those desires, then you may find in that, in that quiet time, you would be able to maybe more readily hear God speaking to you. Yeah. Another thing I thought of too was just 
asking God to remove the obstacles that are in the way of you hearing him. Whatever they are, maybe something needs to be brought to your attention that you're doing that's kind of plugging the duct, so to speak. Um, Yeah, but asking him to step in and make it so that you can really hear him. He'll do it. Amen. God wants, he wants to speak to deep into our hearts. He wants us to be able to listen. Sometimes we just have to go to him like the, the deaf people, the blind people that couldn't see him and couldn't hear him, but would draw near to him and then Christ can come and do the, the great healing. All right, I'm going to go to Monica and Chris from Toronto. So I, I think I just uh, maybe met you here uh, when I was there just this last weekend. They contacted me on Facebook and asked this question about parenting boys. How do you inspire personal faith life in boys? We have an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old. From your experience, what do they need most? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Number one, they need dad. I'd say after that, they need physical exercises. Exercise, they need to move. They need good friends. They need um, other manly examples in their life. And those all kind of work together. You can have good friends and dad together playing a sport and maybe invite your parish priest, you know, that could be all wrapped with a pretty bow, you know, and that one experience, but just over time, I think that's been major for our kiddos, our boys in particular. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question here. So when you say they need dad, what, what, I want to hear what you, the, the feminine genius here. Oh, jeepers. Yeah, what would you say? What, when, what, in what ways do they need dad? What, like, what, is, what, what advice would you give to a dad listening out there? Dads need to spend time with their sons. And I think you've done that well with going bowling with them and watching soccer highlights with them and taking them places and driving with Paul, teaching him driver's ed stuff. Um yeah, they need, they, I mean, the dad's going to be there. The dad's who they're modeling their manhood off of, you know, and time with dad is major, but then also they just got to move. They just, okay, faith life and boys. Okay, when we think about faith life, we're in a church oftentimes sitting still, right? That can be really hard for boys, especially. So to do something where you combine faith and movement and just getting dirty, Um, We've been really blessed here in the area to have a Catholic adventure camp that we can send our kids to. The girls, too. There's weeks for them. But I think the boys get a lot out of it because it's so much fun. And there's priests there, and it's all these other Catholic boys. And they have saints as their, you know, teepee mascots. And they have a banner of Christian identity that they can't let get stolen over the week. And it's just so good for them. It's so good for them to see that their family is not the only one that's taking these things seriously, but there are other families that are similar that are striving for holiness and try, striving to do good things and build good things and be faithful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you hit on, on those things for them to see good friends. I think that's crucial. Major. Uh, so they need dad is, I think dad's number one. Totally. I, I agree with that. And I, I, I pray I do that. Well, I, I'm sure many times I've, I've failed and, uh, but I, I, I know that that's crucial. Uh, I like what you said about exercise, but also the friends. They they need to have other boys around them that are also running after the same kinds of things. Uh, where they see other boys that are praying together, you know. Uh, we've done that, like whether it's camping trips with some other dads and 
whether it was the soccer team that I coached with some mm-hmm. other dads, with all the boys, you know, in our Catholic community and those kinds of things where we would get on our knees and pray before practice and after practice. They just see it. It's just like second nature. It's just a part of daily life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's been, that that's been helpful. And, uh, so we're, we're kind of in just in the middle of it here. If anyone has advice right. on, uh, what happens later in high school and college, we haven't entered those, those well, phases we have, yet. Well, we're in the middle of high school. But... I mean like later high school and college where yeah. we need advice there too. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go to Leanne. Leanne has a great question here. Um, she asks, how can a married couple, how can a married couple work to bring strong faith into their marriage and family, despite being beginning their relationship, uh, in ways that weren't the best in what John Paul II calls an immature love. So I want to just dissect that because I know this person's drawing from some language from, uh, JP2's theology of the body, love responsibility, where JP2 says when a couple comes together, when there's an initial attraction, it's very emotional. It's about the rush of the good feelings, the romantic feelings of closeness and sexual attraction and all that's wonderful. But that's not a mature love. A mature love is one that's rooted more, it, it grows over time, rooted more in virtue, seeking the good of the other person. And you need a lot of virtue to be able to pull that off well. So this person's saying, you know, maybe when we first fell in love and started our marriage, it wasn't really that mature, and quite frankly, that's probably where most people are at. Uh, but I think one thing I, I would say is uh, the past doesn't have to define you. So let's say maybe you know you weren't practicing your Catholic faith to the fullest at the beginning of your marriage life, or um, maybe you made some mistakes in your your moral life in your marriage, or what you know whatever happened. Uh, the, the past doesn't have to define you. That where you are right now is what God is, is want to focus on. Now, that doesn't mean the past does affect us. We, we carry the past with us. But that doesn't have to be our destiny. That God right now can work with you. God right now, if you're sincere in saying, Jesus, we're, we realize we made some mistakes in the past. We wish we had done it better at the beginning. But Right now, we want this to be the best marriage it could be. We want to be the best parents we could be. Help us now. That's the key right now. And, and, and a humble soul that just goes before God and admits mistakes of the past, but just says, Lord, we want to be better now. God's go- God just rejoices in that. He sends his spirit to flood our hearts uh, to help us there. Uh, so I, I think that's one thing just to offer some encouragement that no matter what has happened in the past, where are you right now? Where are you desiring to go? That's what God cares about the most. Uh, and he's going to help you take those next steps to build that strong foundation for your marriage. And I think we take the next steps to build that strong foundation. It's not enough just to say, God, help us. You have to reach out for it. And it's going to be uncomfortable. I mean, praying together as a family for the first time or doing your first full rosary as a family or, you know, whatever. It could be saying no to certain things or just being countercultural. That's uncomfortable and that's hard. But knowing that it's going to be worth it and looking to people that can support you and, and for other resources and things and shaping what that looks like. Yeah. Developing the, the, the good, the good habits you want to have, you know, it's going to have to be learning about those habits, maybe reading good books on marriage. Again, right. we, like you said earlier, honey, you talked about like finding mentor couples. It's still not too right. late. No, not you may have all. two, three, five kids and whatever, how many kids you have, you could still look ahead and go, okay, how do I, prepare for my next phase of marriage and family life. What does that look like? And learn what are those habits, what are those practices to bring faith life right into the middle of marriage and into the middle of your your family. 
So here's a here's a fun question from uh, Michael. This is from a friend of mine who on Instagram uh, posted, <laughs> "How do Cubs fans survive PTSD?" <laughs> so Michael, if you're listening out there, I know this is our little private joke here. Uh, Cubs fans, you just you it, it's I I, I think I t- I told my friend this that there is no PTSD. Uh, Post traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, it's just. Well, maybe it's P, but it's not post. It's just perpetual traumatic stress disorder. It's just perpetual being a Cubs fan. As I said in Toronto this week, and I said, I'm a diehard Cubs fan. I'm a diehard Cubs fan, and there's a lot of dying, and it's just really hard. <laughs> so how do you survive, Michael? You, you start rooting for the Dodgers, right? Is that yeah, because well, he's, he's a Dodgers, Dodgers yeah, fan? Mm-hmm. So that's all I'll say to him. Okay, well... My my friends, there's so many more questions here. I wish we had more time. We're gonna we're gonna close it here, but we're gonna save these questions and have you on another time. Would you come sure, back, honey? Sure, we can even do some more too. Okay, well, well we'll cover some more questions here as we move along later on in the All Things Catholic podcast. You can always send any question to me uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well. You can also reach out to my wife. And how do how do they find you, honey? Uh, my website is born to do this dot org. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Well, there we go. Uh, If you have liked this podcast, if you've been a long listener, but you haven't had a chance to write a review, would you do me a favor and write a review for us? We would love it. Please do that. And uh, know that you're in my prayers. And please pray for us. God bless.